Hi friends, welcome to episode 27. I can't believe we're episode 27. What a great year of having this podcast. It's been such a gift for me and I hope it's been a gift for you. It's just me, no guests today. And the title of this is R is for Ryan and for the resilience he brought me. Resilience is born of swimming through rough waters, rip tides, and raging storms. 2020 is definitely ripe with opportunities to build resilience. Yes, build. We are not born with it, which should comfort you and me because it means then that it's attainable. It's a muscle that we can push and grow and make stronger, even in the midst of constant challenge. And what has 2020 been but a year of constant challenge? And the truth is we want these opportunities as women and mothers. We want these opportunities for our children. Regardless of our child's or children's diagnoses, we live in a culture and a parenting generation that longs to protect and prevent all disappointments, failures, and setbacks. There are double standards everywhere and abounding unrealistic expectations for ourselves and for our children. This year hasn't made those things go away. But in truth, with a renewed perspective, 2020 may actually be offering us an opportunity to put those pressures aside and instead choose growth, grace, and grit. At the same time that we are experiencing losses, new stressors, massive disruptions to education and our social lives, we are given opportunities to build in resilience. The gift of resilience will strengthen us far more than chasing quote unquote perfect motherhood will. The most balanced schedule, the most organized home, the Pinterest perfect household, the stressless mornings are all wonderful things, but they cannot strengthen our spirits or the hearts of our families like the gift of resilience. What greatly contributes to my perspective today is my own journey to resilience. Thanks to my sweet 17-year-old son, Ryan. And for those of you who are listening to this episode and you don't know our whole story, in a nutshell, when Ryan was born in 2003, he was born with low muscle tone. He couldn't cry, couldn't suck, he could hardly move. We spent a month in the hospital not knowing what was wrong with him. And then we went home with a feeding tube, or Ryan had a feeding tube. And about a week later, we got a call from our pediatrician telling us that he had a rare genetic medically complex disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome. We got plugged in right away with the Prader-Willi California Foundation and the national organization based in Florida, jumped into support groups and conferences. I always say there's no cocktail party answer for Explaining PWS in the early years with the low muscle tone, all milestones are delayed. So you get OTPT and speech therapy, and that continues all the way. I mean, it could continue all the way through high school. Ryan is still getting speech therapy and OT at school. 
Ryan didn't walk till he was three. And um, if the syndrome makes the news, what makes it interesting and strange and wacky is that there is this food drive that kicks in in childhood. Kids and adults with this syndrome do not have any satiety signals in the brain or the belly. And so left to themselves, it is life-threatening and they could eat and eat and eat because they don't feel full and it's dangerous. So kids and adults with PWS will be watched, are watched 24-7. We have locks on our kitchen. We didn't have to lock our kitchen until Ryan was 13. For some families, they have to lock up their kitchen much, much younger when their kids are much younger. And I would say even more than the food drive is Ryan's anxiety is really, really, really hard. He's on medication. He's been on medication for many years. He has no side effects, thankfully, because it does help take the edge off, although it is not obviously a cure. He is academically behind his peers. He is not going to be one, getting a high school diploma, so he will get to stay with the school district until he's 22. In PWS, there is a spectrum of impact. So some kids are more cognitively and academically and psychiatrically affected than others. Fast forward to now, Ryan is social. He is sweet. He asks a million questions. He is anxious. He is grateful and loves to watch sports and talk about sports and at any time is willing and ready to go on a walk or a hike with my husband, Chris, and I. I am grateful for him, but it has been a wild boat ride complete with relentless storms, calm coasting, and everything in between. And like I said, I'm grateful. Yes, there are days I want to push the easy button and shoo away PWS with both hands. I'm sure I'm not alone in that desire. And yet, I cannot replace the personal growth, the family bonds, and how deep our compassion and empathy has become for others who are hurting or in acute crisis or experiencing chronic hardship. We don't need a pandemic or a special needs child to have the opportunity to build resilience in our lives because the reality is adversity does not discriminate. Everyone has something in their life that makes it uncomfortable. Everyone, whether you see it or not. Resilience researchers say that building resilience involves intentionality. So what I mean by intentionality is not being passively accepting of hard circumstances, that it involves making daily choices to think or act in ways that we don't naturally want to think or act. We simply decide to. It means a choice, a choice to be aware, for example, of what we consume and how it affects our mindset. For example, when we were handed Ryan's diagnosis back in 2003, I did not ask at the time, why? Why me? Why us? I knew there was no answer for it. I knew it was a rabbit hole of despair that I could choose to step into or I could reject it. I chose to reject it. I chose to believe that something good, maybe even something great, 
would come of our very hard story. I kept that thought in my head until 2016 when I began dreaming and scheming about We Are Brave Together. Because of Ryan, We Are Brave Together was born. Sometimes calling is born out of crisis. Resilient people also get that suffering is a part of life. It's normal. It's not something that just happens to bad people who make bad choices. If we reject this truth, we will be knocked off our feet the first time something terrible happens. We will lose mental and emotional strength in the face of every single crisis. And we do ourselves and our children a disservice when we try to bubble wrap them and shield them from this kind of lesson. But if we can make that hard choice to daily embrace suffering, struggle, and obstacles as positive agents of growth and change, we will more likely cope appropriately. For moms of children with special needs, this is a choice that so many of us make instinctively. Our hearts make it for us. The only way through is forward. We have that mantra in our head. But when I'm honest and vulnerable, I would guess I'm not alone in admitting that this year, when hardships have piled on hardship, it can feel exhausting for the soul to choose resilience day after day. That's why community is so important, knowing that you are not the only one making that choice day after day to seek growth and to seek grace and renewal. Resilience is born of making choices to embrace and reject certain truths or practices. Think of that from a physical standpoint, the act of pushing away or the act of bringing towards oneself. I've seen this in my 17 years of mothering Ryan. I had to embrace the truth of his diagnosis and an altered family life. I had to reject the lies that I could not handle this new motherhood journey. I chose to embrace the help and support of others, whether that was pediatric therapists, doctors, teachers, aides, family, friends, mentors, or fellow mothers in the same trenches. I chose to reject the expectations that I become a martyr mom and not take care of my own mental, physical, and marital health. I embraced the truth that gratitude was my weapon of warfare against bitterness and resentment that could easily, easily fester as I look at the Instagram highlight reels of others' seemingly easy lives. I rejected the notion that others do not suffer. I learned to embrace that I have choices about how I respond to unwanted circumstances and challenges. I learned to reject victimhood. One of the most beautiful things I embraced is that my life is way more meaningful with Ryan in it than without him. And the gift of special needs motherhood is a shift in perspective, purpose, and priorities. All of this takes intentionality. All of this takes being flexible teachable. 
yielding myself to the lessons that Professor Payne wants to teach me. All of this takes a disposition of flipping suffering on its head to reveal the beauty and the richness it brings. It is not easy. (laughs) I am not always Sally Sunshine. Ask my husband, Chris. Ask my children. Years and years of journaling, sharing transparently, blogging, prayer, therapy, life coaches, and good, solid people around me who get what crisis is all about brought me to this place. When I talk about community, it's those solid people, the people in your life and mine who can weep with you and still call out your strength, who can see you face hardship and adversity and point you towards the resilience and renewing perspective that we cannot always generate on our own accord. So how do we apply this? How do we apply these principles of resilience to the pandemic that we are still living in? Number one, I would say embrace uncertainty. Reject the need or attempts for control. Crisis teaches you that you truly cannot control anything. As special needs mom, I think we learn very quickly that control is often a total illusion. It's a very tempting thing to pursue, but it is fragile. The truth is all we can somewhat control in our lives is our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. You still own your life, and you can create some certainty into your day each day, something that you do every day. Maybe set an appointment with yourself or your family. I do believe that that helps us right now. Number two, embrace the practice of gratitude. Reject complaining, and comparing. Gratitude has been my weapon of warfare throughout the years. I I can't say I started out like that 17 years ago, if I'm honest, but eventually I figured it out. I realized that there is something definitely to be thankful for every day in our lives. I encourage you to write it down or keep a gratitude journal. That is something that I have definitely been keeping up with this year in 2020. You have heard it said that comparison is the thief of joy. It is. Social media does not help if you're prone to compare. Maybe give it up for a while or forever if it does you in. Somebody always has it better than you. And somebody always has it worse than you. Always. We are all in the same storm, but not in the same boat. And yet this is not the hardship Olympics. We are not here to compare and compete about each other's pain. In the special needs world, especially compassion is always miles healthier for me, for you and your family than comparison. Whether it's a casual conversation with friends or a difficult update, a much needed rant, your words, my words, thoughts, and listening power are vital agents in how we guard our heart or our friend's heart and your families. Number three, embrace practices that produce joy, make your heart smile or bring a sense of calm or peace. I encourage you to really recognize and learn the difference between self-care habits or practices and self-comfort. 
Self-care practices are things like meditation, yoga, exercise, journaling, knitting, being creative, prayer, gardening, whatever brings you spark. These are practices that bring lasting joy or peace that sustain you for the long haul of hard seasons like the one we are in or chronic hardship in general. We must choose to engage in these practices because resilience is all about making healthy choices, even when we do not feel like making them. There are plenty of times that I do not feel like getting up in the dark and going for a run, but I know that I feel so much better afterward. Self-comfort practices are things like eating dark chocolate, drinking a glass of wine, watching Netflix, getting your nails done. They release stress in the moment. They serve as a little distraction. Nothing wrong with a little self-comfort. And yet, we must reject self-comfort habits as a means of numbing out or escaping the current stressors. It is often so much easier to roll over, take a nap, and stuff our feelings down with a bar of chocolate or a glass of wine at the end of a hard day. (laughs) But when we do that, we are not truly intentionally choosing to care for ourselves. We are just acting on instinct, comforting ourselves, offering a response to the symptoms of our pain, but not really healing the pain itself. As moms, we need to know the difference between self-comfort, the act of simply numbing our exhaustion and discouragement, and self-care, the act of healing our exhaustion and discouragement. And guess what? Guess which one, which habit breeds resilience? When we give ourselves the honor of care rather than only comfort, when we choose resilience, we strengthen our ability to continue to care for others. And we heal the muscles we need to weather the storms that we're going to continue to face. Motherhood is not about martyrdom. It's about modeling. I'm encouraging you moms to engage in this intentionality because your kids are watching. This is an epic time in history for our families. They're watching you and me bounce back from COVID-19 craziness and seeing how we all handle things. Our kiddos with special needs do absorb our own stress and our own anxiety, as well as, of course, our neurotypical kids. Modeling self-care, transparency, positivity, and wise choices is what we want to aim for. We want our kids to grow up to be responsible, realistic, resilient, human beings who take care of themselves in the proper ways because crisis comes to all loss comes to all and beauty can come out of it too resilient people rise up show up and reach out we rise up for ourselves our immediate families and we choose not to stay down in despair or in denial we show up in making positive and healthy choices and being an example. We reach out to be a source of light and support and encouragement for others in our community. Resilience is built choice by choice, step by step, page by page. You've got this. You have already had so much experience building 
your family story. Now add a chapter of resilience. Just know that I am in the trenches with you. I see you, I feel you, I hear you. I know that this year is probably one of the hardest years that we have all been through, but we will get through this step by step. Thanks so much for listening to my story and letting me share what I have learned and gained through the years of being Ryan's mom. If you might be interested in donating to We Are Brave Together so that we can keep our podcast going and all of our programs to inspire and educate caregiving moms, please go to our website, wearebravetogether.com and go to our donate page. Any and every amount makes such a difference. Please consider We Are Brave Together for your end of year giving. We are grateful for every dollar, everything that we receive. It is not easy to ask for donations in the midst of COVID-19. And yet I know that our moms need We Are Brave Together and need the content that we are putting out. And when restrictions lift, they are going to need our retreats and retreat scholarships. So if you would be so kind as to donate today, we would love that. Have a wonderful day, friends. Thanks for listening.